For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7, and the draft is over. So what does that mean? It's time for my way-too-early draft grade of the Denver Broncos. Now, realistically... You can't grade any draft until three years later. But these are kind of fun. Give teams a grade. Basically, did they address needs? What was the philosophy of the draft of George Payton in his first year? Kind of get a better read on that. So I'll give you my way too early draft grade. And then we look into the quarterback situation. You might have heard, Aaron Rodgers' drama is not going away. And until it does, it's going to be linked to the Denver Broncos because A, it's been reported as one of his preferred destinations, and B, The Broncos certainly could use an upgrade in the quarterback room for an offense that has struggled to score more than 20 points a game over the past five seasons. But first, we look into the draft. And George Payton's first chance at it, he made the best of it, except it's clouded by the fact, at least in Broncos country's mind, that he did not draft a quarterback. That goes back to the signing of Teddy Bridgewater, who was in town last weekend to get his physical and meet some staff. Certainly, George Payton has comfort for Teddy Bridgewater and with him because of their time together in Minnesota. Went 17-10 and 10 with the Vikings when Payton was there. Uh, then he you know, has this horrific knee injury. Thought at a time his career was over. And the way he battled through that even gained more respect from the league and certainly Payton specifically. And that led the Broncos and George Payton to stand pat in the draft. No quarterback. Uh, for now, the plan is... Teddy Bridgewater will compete in an open competition, 50-50 reps, with Drew Locke. Uh, What does that mean for those two? I'll get into that a little bit later. But what about this draft and why we give it an early grade? Because it's fun is the the easy answer. And what did we find? uh, What were some of the commonalities in this draft? One, seven players of the 10 selected were defensive players. Was this by accident? Some of it was because George Payton clearly, a scout by trade, was following his board. Best player available was clearly on his mind throughout this draft. And we can see that from the first selection of Pat Sertan. And yes, he does go by Pat Sertan. Uh, His father, Patrick Sertan, was his high school coach. Also, former pro bowler, 13-year career with the Miami Dolphins. And oh, by the way, George Payton worked with the Dolphins and got to know Patrick Sertan, the father, very well. That's why the Broncos were able to hide their interest even after signing Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby in free agency. George Payton made it clear to the scouts and other people and personnel people, do not call the Sertan family. Do not tip it off. Uh, They weren't at the Alabama Pro Day. At least Payton wasn't. All in large part as a smokescreen because Pat Sertan was the best defensive player on George Payton's board. So when he became available at nine, he became a Bronco. 
Uh, so that's kind of where we start is the fact that they went defense seven out of 10 times. It is defined, and this class will be defined largely by Pat Sertan. If he's a Pro Bowl corner, maybe an All-Pro, uh, a CB1, if you will, that will help shape this class. But there will also be the connection forever to the quarterback position because the Broncos passed on Justin Fields and Mac Jones uh, at nine. Both were available, did not require a trade-up. And Chicago decided Justin Fields was the guy they had to have. They moved up, sacrificing picks to get to Justin Fields and take him in the first round after the Broncos. So this becomes an interesting conversation moving forward. Should the Broncos have taken Justin Fields? Even if he didn't play this year, I was fine with that. That's where I I kind of diversify and bend from some of the analysts. are like, Broncos country wouldn't have been happy because the kid wouldn't be ready and there's no way they'd get to the playoffs with him as a rookie. I'm saying I liked him enough I would have drafted him at nine had he not played. It had been a redshirt year because then if you go 6-11 and 11 in a 17-game season, you've got your quarterback of the future on the roster. And if you want to tell me next year's quarterback class is better than advertised, okay. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know specifically. I just, from watching college football last year, I right now I don't agree with that. I don't think next year's quarterback class will be as strong as this past court class, and then that's the risk you take. But it won't matter, again, if the Broncos get involved with Aaron Rodgers. But let's first look at the draft class. And it starts with Pat Sertan, the cornerback. He has the potential, again, to be an all-pro, Pro Bowl corner. His technique, again, he's more polished than pledge. This guy gets it. He's been coached and trained to be a pro since he was about five years old. His dad has worked with him. His dad with his co- was his coach all the way through high school. And you can see that in how he plays. Uh, he plays in a way that's like a coach. He knows routes as they happen. He's able to get in and out of his breaks well. He competes. Uh, he doesn't talk trash. That's not his game. You know, we're used to Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris around here, guys who talk more trash than the Sierra Club. He doesn't talk trash. He just lets his game do his talking. And when you're as polished as he is, you understand why. But in Sertan's case, he lacks some of the high-end speed, that recovery speed, if beaten. You know, that's something you like to have in a high-end NFL cornerback. You know, that quick speed, if you know you lose a yard and you can you know make up with recovery at the end. That's not really his strength. Doesn't mean he can't do it. But his strength is recognizing routes getting in position. He's got good ball skills. He's a guy who can move around a little bit. He's a willing tackler. There is so much to like about Pat Sertan. And when he talked to us in person, he was an impressive young man, very mature, very polished. You can understand why George Payton liked this guy so much, liked the family so much. I mean, he came across as a professional in his first Denver Broncos press conference. So that maturity and that game, you can understand why the Broncos wanted to go defense there even though they selected two corners in or signed two corners in free agency. The issue with that is Bryce Callahan, expiring contract. You've got Kyle Fuller, expiring contract. So in the case of Pat Sertan, he could play nickel initially. He could play dime. I do think you're going to see him start some because Bryce Callahan's never been healthy for a full game se- full season. But the philosophy clearly with George Payton and it started with Pat Sertan was best player on the board available and not so much for need. And they stay at corner rather than quarterback there because it's been told to me they probably like Trey Lance a little more as a potential redshirt candidate than they like Justin Fields. So with Lance gone at three, it made the decision for Peyton relatively easy to go with George to go with Pat Sertan at nine. 
So what does that mean for the rest of the class? There are some interesting names in this class that are going to help define it and could maybe actually help the Broncos offense, even though there were only three players offensively in this class. There's one that I think could make a huge difference as they try to get out of this abysmal stretch where they haven't averaged more than 20 points per game in the last five seasons. My show is presented in part by Hoggett Injury Law. With us, it's personal. Speaking of personal, let me tell you about my friend Darby Hoggett. I've known Darby for basically 10 years. I coached his son in travel baseball. We sat in the stands. We talked hoops. We talked baseball. And of course, we talked Denver Broncos. He's a huge Broncos fan. We've become good friends. In fact, many of Darby's clients have become his good friends. You don't even have to pay him up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. If you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give his team a call at 1-833-HOGGIT. That's 1-833-H-O-G-G-A-T-T or find out more by visiting their website at hoggetlaw.com. All right, welcome back to the program. Again, I'm Troy Rank from Denver 7, and this is the Believe in Broncos podcast, and we are giving it a way too early grade to the Broncos draft class. It's kind of more of a fun exercise than anything else, as we've said Probably won't know a real true draft grade until three years in to a class. So they take Pat Sertan, first corner taken. I love this pick in terms of him as a corner, but it will always be known as the draft they could have taken Justin Fields. So we will keep an eye on that. Uh, But I have a feeling he's going to make some Pro Bowls and make Broncos country happy. But it's not his fault. He's not a quarterback. So they only had three offensive picks in this draft of 10 players. This next one and the first offensive player they chose, I think, has a chance to caffeinate an offense that desperately needs it. Do you know over the last five years, the Broncos are 14-3 and when they score 25 points a game? 80 games? 17 times they've had 25 points? I mean, you just can't do it. During that same time, the Chiefs have scored uh, over 25 points almost 60 times. So you get why Broncos country is still a little agitated over the fact that there wasn't a quarterback taken. Now, again, if Aaron Rodgers ends up getting picked up on June 1st, that will obviously soothe all lingering wounds from not taking a Justin Fields or a Mac Jones uh, at the ninth overall pick. But the running back I am talking about and the first offensive player taken by the Broncos is... Javante Williams, a human pinball. He brings the boom. He runs with evil intentions. If you want to see his highlight reel, you don't have to watch his last couple years at UNC. Just go watch the Miami game. I mean, this guy, he was just breaking tackles, putting guys on their back, leaving footprints and tire marks on their chest. He runs hard. He runs with authority. Now, again, was he the featured guy? He shared carries with Michael Carter. I see that as a positive. Backs sometimes that uh, have a little less tread on the tire when they arrive in the pros, they can age quickly. They can age uh, in dog years. I don't see that necessarily with a guy like Javante Williams, in part because you know he played linebacker for three years in high school. So he's only played the position less than four years consistently. This can be a good thing as he arrives in the pros. And I think he can get on the field quickly. I always like taking a running back in the second round, not the first, just given the value of the position in the NFL. Does this put Melvin Gordon on notice? Well, it certainly does for his long-term future. I still think Melvin Gordon has a chance to get to 1,000 yards for the first time since 2017. He has a chance to have a nice year, but Javante Williams could be a complimentary piece that we didn't see unfold last year or transpire with Philip Lindsay. Because let's be honest, 
No team was worse last year in throwing the ball out of the backfield to their backs than Pat Shermer's offense with Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay. So every time Lindsay was in the game, he was a ghost in the passing game. They knew they were running. I mean, it made him them one-dimensional when you already had a quarterback struggling. I think Lindsay catches the ball better than they gave him credit for. It doesn't matter. He's not here anymore. Javante Williams will get a chance to be the backup uh, to uh, when you look at it, to uh, Melvin Gordon, this obviously means Royce Freeman. I can't imagine he's going to be on the team. If he is, he's going to long shot to make the roster. But Javante Williams, the thing I like about him is that he has a chance because of his ability to break tackles and his ability to block in pass pro, which is huge for any rookie, and his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. I think 25 catches last year. He's got a chance to get on the field early. That's not always the case with running backs because especially if he becomes a third down guy, you've got to be able to block and protect your quarterback. I believe from what I've seen in the film, and the, you know, I probably watched three or four North Carolina games last year because of their quarterback in part because he'll probably be the number one pick next year or certainly has that chance. Javante Williams can get on the field early, and he's dynamic, and he's explosive, and he plays with attitude. All things the Broncos' offense we know can use. And then their third round, they go with a guy who's become a viral sensation, Quinn Miners. He's a guard from Division Three. University of Wisconsin, Whitewater. The number of D3 guys in the pros is a very small group. And he is going to, I was told by multiple sources that then ask Coach Munch, uh, Coach Fangio on, what day was that, Saturday, where they plan to play him. They're first going to try him at center. Now, this is a big, strong guy with these Paul Bunyan workouts. Uh, and he got onto the Broncos' radar, as he did with a lot of teams, with his senior bowl. Because his team did not have a season last year because of COVID-19. He just comes to the Senior Bowl. He had lost 20 pounds. He shows up, breaks his right hand. He plays with the club, says, I don't care if it's broken. Put me in there. And all he did was show out. And then he showed out with his gut. He earned the nickname, the gut and the belly. And this is a guy that brings energy and attitude. I talked to Dalton Reisner about him over the weekend. And I texted Dalton, you know, what do you think of this guy? Because when I saw him, I'm like, Man, this guy looks like a kindred spirit with uh, Wiggins High Zone, Dalton Reisner. And he texts me. He said, Troy, I'm happy to have him as part of the family. Seems like a great guy and a great ball player. I love everything about his story and journey. I can certainly relate to that a lot. Yeah, I see shades of Quinn Miners in the Dalton Reisner story. Initially, he will play center. Uh, maybe he pushes Lloyd Cushenberry. I know people love Lloyd, and I love Cushenberry, the person. He's got to get stronger. First half of last season, he struggled. He got ra he got ragdolled plenty of times. Now, he got better. He's a smart kid. He's got work ethic. There's reason to think he will improve, but he has to if they're going to get to where they want to go and have an identity where they can be a physical team, run play action, use that to set it up. At times last year, that was their identity. Cushenberry's got to get better. Now he's got someone to push him and the young kid, Quinn Miners, out of University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. The powerhouse, if you will. Not a lot of uh, players you see come out of there, but that's uh, that's where they find him, and certainly he could be a sleeper. I don't see him starting right away necessarily. Their second, third-round pick, this is potentially the sleeper of the draft, and that's Baron Browning, the linebacker. I don't want him to cross-train, the kid from Ohio State. I want to keep him inside and see if he can cover. Anyone that's watched Broncos games, and all of you that subscribe to this podcast and listen to, I would think you're serious Bronco fans, you know the problems they've had covering tight ends. I mean, it has been awful at times. I mean, I just, 
There's thong bikinis that cover tight ends better, and I've said it before, and I hate to be flippant, but it has been a problem for the Broncos when they play Darren Waller, when they play Travis Kelsey. Pick a guy, and it has been an issue. Baron Browning has the type of speed, that 4-5 type speed, in space where maybe he can be a niche player. At Ohio State, he played all over the place. He played outside. He played inside. He's strong enough and big enough to play outside. He can certainly uh, do damage inside as well. He's that good of a player. But the reality is I haven't seen a lot of success when people cross-train. And maybe I'm you know, jilted by this, but I saw him try to do it with Demarcus Walker when Shane Ray hurt his wrist that really de- derailed his career a couple years ago. They moved in Vance Joseph's first or second year. They moved Demarcus Walker inside. He dropped from like 276, 280, all the way down to 239, and he didn't fit. And now you made a guy that might have been a good defensive tackle that year into a terrible outside linebacker, and it just didn't work. So that's why I'm always a little leery. And even Justin Hollins with the Broncos under Fangio, they tried to cross-train him, and he never got really good at either outside or inside. So end up going to the Rams. He had a niche role. I'm not saying that, you know he lost out on this big-time guy, but he certainly had a niche role. And I think with Browning, you got a guy who has coverage skills that can fit in the middle of that 3-4 defense. See if that can work. Justin Sternod would be in that conversation as well. But that's where you could see an impact right away from Baron Browning from Ohio State is get him into coverage as the niche guy. Well, quickly, people, I know the sun isn't shining here today, at least in northern Colorado I'm at, but it's going to be, and summer's coming, and how many bad experiences have you had with your sunglasses? It gets to the point I struggle to buy them because I lose them all the time or I break them. Mainly I lose them because I'm a moron and I forget where I put them and every time I remember, that's why I started getting uh, cheap sunglasses. But there is a solution. It's time to make your outdoor experience better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that makes their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and they have Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. I like the sound of that. So use the exclusive code KananCast15. That's K-A-N-N-O-N Cast15 at Kanan.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's KananCast15. Kanan, clearly better. All right, now back to the draft talk. And we're going to put a grade on this at the end, I promise you. And we're getting there. The Broncos did not have a fourth-round pick, but in the fifth round, they got busy with two safeties. And you say safeties, don't they have Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson? They do, but they need depth. Last year, they had no safety depth. And frankly, entering the draft, they really didn't either. Trey Marshall, I just haven't seen enough of it to say he could play significant snaps. They've moved on from Will Parks. I wish Will nothing but the best. One of my favorite players to cover the last few years. But they've clearly moved on from Will Parks. So they go safety. The first one was Caden Stearns from Texas. This kid is a willing tackler. He's aggressive. Now, he ended up opting out last year, uh, but he had some really good tape early in his career. The issue with Stearns is he's just been inconsistent. Can they coach that out of him with Ed Donatel and Vic Fangio? Because the skill set, you're talking like five-star type recruit, a guy that should be a playmaker at the pro level. At times, he's a willing tackler, but he's too aggressive. And that can be sometimes a good problem to have because when a guy's not necessarily a willing tackler, 
that doesn't necessarily improve at the NFL level. But Caden Stearns is a guy I like who can do some damage and provide depth both in the secondary and certainly on special teams. And then in the fifth round, also, they get another safety, Jamar Johnson from Indiana, 164th pick overall. He was a higher-ranked safety than most had where he ended up going in the fifth round. Some had him anywhere from fifth, sixth-ranked safety in this class. He's a playmaker. Now, he's not the tackler that Stearns is, and he's not that kind of physical player, but he is a ball hawk. And while Stearns said he can learn from Justin Simmons, he reminds me more of Kareem Jackson. Jamar Johnson's a true free safety center fielder, and one of his best games last year, clearly, against Ohio State, had a couple picks of Justin Fields. But he's a guy that... You know, I thought was a top 100 player, and you get him at 164. I love the value there, and again, very athletic, quick, could have versatility on coverage units, which that was a theme throughout this draft when they got into the second and third day. Broncos special teams have been an absolute dumpster fire and embarrassing for years. They got a little better at times last year, but part of it, while you know Tom McMahon deserves criticism as the coach of special teams, Some of it is he just didn't have the groceries to make the food, to make the recipe, to make it taste right. Because they just didn't have enough athletes. You got older guys playing special teams. You got guys maybe that shouldn't be in the league playing special teams. And it showed up every weekend, you know, where you're trying to win a game in the margins. Instead, you're losing games in the margins. Uh, You know, your offense can't make ground. And then you give up 25, 30 yards on a punt return. Or you drop a punt. Or you have a kickoff that goes back to the house. It would seem like every week... You know, Broncos country holding its breath. Is this the week that special teams is going to undermine a game? Now that should not be the case as they have more depth and more athletes. Jamar Johnson would fit in that category. In the sixth round, they go with Seth Williams, a receiver. Now they really don't need a receiver. If you look at their depth chart, that could get changed if the Green Bay Packers, again, decide they want to move on from Aaron Rodgers, that that frosty relationship shows no signs of thawing. Three first-rounders was probably in play on Thursday night. Now it might be two first-rounders and a young player and a second-rounder. Well, one of those young players obviously could be a Jerry Judy type. I'd hate to see Judy go, but that's the reality if you're trying to put a trade together like that and no longer having the ninth overall pick as a centerpiece to a deal like that. But Seth Williams from Auburn, he's a playmaker. He plays with attitude. He's a guy that's going to get in your face, let you know about it. He's crazy fast. Another guy, again, 4-3, speed that could help on coverage, is a willing special teams player. I know people roll their eyes at this, but if you're going to get better, you have to get better across the board. And part of that is special teams. And that's where a guy like Seth Williams could figure into the mix. And again, if there's a trade involved... You know, because Deshaun Hamilton, I don't know if he's going to make the team. They've got depth across the board. But if Hamilton's out, could a Seth Williams be competing with a Hamilton and a Tyree Cleveland for a last roster spot? And it might go to the guy who plays the best special teams? Something to file away as the Broncos move forward under George Payton as he's clearly emphasized getting guys that are more athletic on the coverage units. And as we say that, cornerback Kerry Vincent from LSU, I like this pick because he's versatile. He's played, uh, he picked off four passes when LSU won the national title in 2019. And he's a guy that can play nickel and he can play slot. He's played a little safety. He's, he's a versatile guy, which last year you saw the Broncos got stuck when they had injuries. And you talk about having a guy like Vincent, I mean, his versatility, we'll see. He's a former track guy at LSU. I mean, you're talking elite speed. Uh, again, these are the types of things 
when you think of coverage units, return game, all those having this kind of elite speed that's been absent, it can help. And, you know, it's going to take a collective and the aggregate of it. One guy isn't going to change your special teams, but you start adding three and four guys who are athletes, who've played special teams, who have position versatility. Maybe this can help change the game in the margins. But in the case of Vincent, this is a guy who can flat out run. I mean, you're talking, he's the fastest guy in this draft class. He is a former track guy at LSU. Outside linebacker, the other, so that was, Kerry Vincent was the first pick of their seventh round. Second pick, outside linebacker, Jonathan Cooper. This guy, go to the Ohio State uh, page on Twitter, Ohio State Football. It shows you neighborhood kids running up to Cooper, congratulating him. Everything I've heard about Cooper is just positive, positive, positive. High energy, great character guy. He's a guy who brings it every day in practice, who makes people around him better because of that. Now, is he the athlete that some of these other guys are, even his teammate, Barry Browning? No. But sometimes these guys can be glue guys as you're putting together a winning team. Now, he's got to make the team. But when I look at Cooper, outside linebacker, I'd see a guy that can be a rotational pass rusher as we sit here today. Got to see him in camp, see how it translates. But I know there's a lot to like both on and off the field what he did at Ohio State. And their final pick was defensive end Marquise Spencer from Mississippi State. He's a projection guy you're hoping's healthy. He dealt with multiple injuries there when he was on the field. He had a, some production. You know, he had some big games. But I got to see him healthy. The last pick of the seventh round. It's going to be hard-pressed to make the team. Typically, that guy is right on the bubble. You saw that last year with Derek Tuska. That type of player doesn't mean he doesn't have an upside. And in his case, if he's healthy, you know, he clearly would have been better than a seventh-round pick. But you've got to see the health issue and see if that will solve itself. So, again, the draft class, Patrick Sertan, Javante Williams, center Quinn Marins, excuse me, Quinn Miners, linebacker Baron Browning, safety Caden Stearns, safety Jamar Johnson, Wide receiver, Seth Williams. Cornerback, Kerry Vincent Jr. Outside linebacker, Jonathan Cooper. And defensive end, Marquise Spencer. Interesting class. Sertan is ultimately going to be the guy that defines it. He, Williams, and I think Browning. Maybe Miners does, but Sertan, Williams, and Browning have a chance to really define this class. Uh, Jamar Johnson and Stearns in 2022, if Kareem Jackson's gone, could play a role in that as well. Sertan has a chance for me to be a pro bowler. Maybe all pro, but he's got that type of technique. Javante Williams could caffeinate an offense that certainly needs it. Um, and then you look at Browning, his niche is going to be in coverage. And that's been a weakness of the Broncos for years. So my grade of the draft class, I give it a B, a solid B, had a chance for a B plus, even an A. I give it a B because they didn't address the quarterback position with a quarterback on the board that I liked. And that's me. They know more about football than I do. There's a reason George Payton's a, a general manager and I'm a sportscaster. I just watched enough of Justin Fields, his toughness, his accuracy, his his play and performance in big games. Without having to trade up for him and him sitting there at nine, I would have taken him. And again, my caveat to that is I wouldn't have cared if he played this year. I could have taken him, moved on from Drew Locke, and had my quarterback room as Teddy Bridgewater, Justin Fields, so I have my quarterback of the future in hand if things go sideways this year because clearly Coach Fangio is coaching for his job. He's not going to survive if he starts his career with three straight losing seasons, and he's got to avoid the abysmal Septembers. That's what's prevented him from being over 500 for one game. Hasn't happened one game in his two-year tenure because of the horrible starts in September, but I would have taken Fields because he was on the board and it didn't require 
compensation, uh, a draft pick compensation. We'll keep an eye on how he does at Chicago. That's a tough place for him to go. A lot of pressure, lack of success from drafted quarterbacks there, and the fact that you know they might need him to play early and win and save jobs for their coach and GM. That's a tough spot to be as a rookie quarterback. But Broncos country was looking at it saying, we've had 10 quarterbacks since Peyton Manning retired, and Justin Fields was on the board, and the GM is saying, we've got Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. That's a hard sell. Nothing against Teddy Bridgewater or George Payton, but the problem is Teddy Bridgewater looks a lot like Case Keenum and Joe Flacco. That's where Broncos country, those on the glass half empty see it as we've been down this road before. So real quickly on the Aaron Rodgers thing as we sit here on Monday afternoon, nothing has changed in the Rodgers story. According to all reports, he is not backing down. He remains dug in. He's upset that began with the drafting of Jordan Love last year. It certainly wasn't a coincidence that the bombshell that he wanted out dropped this year on draft day after they ruined his draft day a year ago. And it looks like that relationship is not repairable. The Packers are saying otherwise. From their president, Mark Murphy, to their GM, they are saying there's a chance to save this relationship. But that could change. You might get there, and they might realize, hey, Aaron Rodgers is not coming back. You know, we're going to have to get the best deal available. And if that deal were to be made, it would be post-June 1st. Right now, the cap hit, if they were to trade Aaron Rodgers, would be $38 million. They're not doing that. That would be the biggest cap hit in NFL history, even exceeding that of Carson Wentz, who I think the Eagles ate $34 million to move on. Post-June 1st designation, a trade, you put $21 million this year on their dead cap money, $17 million the following year. That's manageable. Uh, $38 million is not happening. But in the case of Rodgers, you know, he's listed, according to Pro Football Talk, uh, preferred destinations were San Francisco, the Raiders, and Denver. I know that, you know, he's got a Hollywood fiancé. They've spent time in Denver from people I've talked to that have seen him out, you know, and that he likes the area. He certainly knows the Broncos have been down this road before with Peyton Manning, a legend and a Super Bowl champ who came in the final chapter of his career and had one last curtain call, if you will. So we'll keep an eye on that. Would I expect the Broncos to have interest? Of course, because they have Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. They could use an upgrade in the room, and George Payton did not close the door on it. But he also, I don't know how aggressive he will be if the price tag is three ones in a Jerry Judy or three ones in a Bradley Chubb. They might say, you know what, I'm not sure we can do that. But until that door is closed, it's not closed. I mean, that's the reality of it. So you keep an eye on it. You monitor it. It's going to hang over the NFL offseason for the next several weeks to see if Aaron Rodgers and the relationship with the Packers can be repaired. If it cannot, the Broncos could be involved. Until then, they move forward with their draft class, Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, and move forward. And Pat Sertan, I would tell Broncos country, just give him a chance because it's not his fault he's not a quarterback. He's got a chance to be really good, and we'll keep an eye on the quarterback situation. For now, I give Teddy Bridgewater a slight edge over Drew Locke if that is the combination that enters training camp because of the fact he has a history, last year notwithstanding, of taking care of the ball a little better. And I think that in Vic Fangio's huge you know, kind of season on the brink, for him, he's going to trust the guy that takes care of the ball and they're going to try to win with defense. I don't think you can do that in the modern NFL, but that feels like the way the roster is trending. And that's also why it'd be a good fit for Aaron Rodgers. Because if you get a quarterback that can score 25 points a game, this is immediately a playoff team. And last thing on that, Superbook Sports changed their odds from the Broncos from 60 to 1 in January all the way down to 31. So maybe the people in Vegas have some insight that Aaron Rodgers might end up here. It certainly is possible. 
frankly, until it's not. So we'll keep an eye on it. Thanks for joining me on the latest Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. You can reach me on Twitter if you got questions at Troy Rank, T-R-O-Y-R-E-N-C-K. I'm doing this podcast because I love it, and I'm doing it for you guys. And that happiness, that begins with me. So go out there and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.